Let's see. Where were we? We were finishing up the Niners and the Vikings. Yeah, that's good. Let's go to the Titans and the Ravens. Uh, so you can start with uh, what you thought about the Titans and the Ravens. My takeaway from this game is people should not be surprised by the outcome. Um, we discussed on uh, our podcast, me and Allen's, uh, this week how I felt like there was basically four elite football teams left in the playoffs. It was the 49ers, the Chiefs, the uh, Ravens, and unfortunately for the Ravens, the Titans. And the Titans were a terrible matchup for the Ravens. We saw that play out. Both of them like to play a similar style of football. Uh, and I knew that Derrick Henry right now is arguably the MVP of, you know, that last month slash playoffs of the league. I've heard several places that he's the first player, I think, in history to have 30 carries and over 150 yards in three straight games. I think you can assume that if the Titans are going to win in Kansas City this week, that will continue. They're not making Tannehill do much, but he is doing what needs to be done. He made a couple of really good throws. The throw to Smith uh, for their first touchdown was a great throw. And their defense is playing really well right now, and they're very well coached. And it's it's a very Patriots-type team, which is not a surprise considering where Vrabel spent most of his career as a player. And then also he did as an assistant for a short time under Belichick as well. Yeah, I, I think – gosh. I think what Tennessee is doing is remarkable. And I'm kicking myself a lot because you have to get a lot of credit because you actually made the pick. I wouldn't make the pick because I listened to all the analytics people that said that Baltimore was like an all-time team since the 2000. Their advanced metrics ranked up there in DVOA, like number six all-time in the modern era. And I heard all these things. But I knew that the Ravens were vulnerable to a team that schemed them well. So I'm not going to call it a gimmick, but I'm definitely going to call it a not well-rounded offensive game plan and schemes they have. And the Titans, this leads me to my takeaway, the Titans just popped these guys in the mouth. It was old-fashioned football. I don't really respect you. I am not in awe. There is no aura there of Lamar Jackson and that line, and they bullied the bullies. They did. They took it right to them. And I think it's really interesting that maybe it needs to be talked about resting your players when you know you're going to have a bye because the Ravens looked really sloppy early in the game particularly I mean a lot of that obviously has to go to the Titans but they just looked off if you look the Kansas City Chiefs you know they looked off early in their game the 49ers were really the only team that did not kind of come out flat or the Packers did as well but I mean, the Ravens, if you think about That's it, they played 17 anyway. off. Yep, exactly. And, I mean, it just, to me, that was something that was interesting to me. And the other thing was that I really was disappointed in John Harbaugh, who deserves a ton of credit. Uh, he's probably, you know, one or two best coach in the league right now, if you don't include Belichick. And I thought they panicked in this game. And they were throwing it way too much. I mean, it was still 14-6, to and you're getting the ball to start the second half. And, you and know, like Gus Edwards, for instance. 59 times. Like, exactly. what, 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 would, what would the scenario be 
they lost. They were down. Okay, so they were down twenty to six basically when it got bad. Like that's still not time where you got to pass the ball and definitely at halftime. What fourteen six? Like to your point, like you don't have to just go totally passing all the time just because you're down fourteen eight points. It, it, to me, it looked like they got rattled, and it, you know it was the first time in a long time this season that they were behind, and it just looked like they didn't know how to react to it. Uh, I've been a huge fan of Lamar Jackson all season. To me, he also kind of I didn't really like his body language uh, or you know the way he reacted to it. And I was saying Gus Edwards had two carries for like 24 yards in the first half. We obviously could tell, and it was a big blow to them that Mark Ingram was nowhere near 100%. I was really confused that they didn't put Edwards in more and try to run their typical offense and just use Edwards in the Ingram role instead of not using him and having Ingram out there who just, he did not look anywhere near 100%. And then instead you're going to throw it 59 times. And I saw Trey Wingo with, you know, he's he's great. I love some of his tweets and his stuff he says. If you would have said that Lamar Jackson was going to rush for 140 yards and throw for 350, you would have not expected that, you know, the Ravens to score 12 points and basically be blown out in this game. And that was basically what happened. It's just, it's hard to predict this stuff. It's just, and I think, uh, I think, that the Ravens just were not the only other game where somebody jumped out in front of them was the Browns game, and they were unable to come back. And if you make Lamar into a passer, and it doesn't and see the thing about Lamar that people don't get is that and the team, what the Ravens, what they do, they do at an A plus level. They can run that scheme. Lamar can pass over the middle. He can run play action. He's actually good in the pocket because a lot of times the defenses are paralyzed because if you rush him, then he's going to run. And between that and the running game and the play action and all the motions they throw at you, it gives Lamar a very clean look, and he executes very well. But if he's asked to move out of that, if it's, uh, I, I, Steph Curry is not the best analogy But if you get physical and you get up on Steph Curry He's not exactly the same guy uh, it, It's a similar thing You're asking someone to do the things They aren't good at When Lamar is asked to do the things he's good at He's an A When he's asked to do the things he's not as good at He's more of a C And I think that's what we saw And that, again, you need to give a lot of credit The variable the coaching staff of the Titans because they definitely had a plan. I heard both you and Alan talk about that the Titans were very good at gap control, which is a key to, you know, slowing down this Ravens uh, offense. And I think, you know, the most impressive play of the game, I believe it was 14 to six, maybe it was 20 to six. And the Ravens had that fourth and one at midfield and they tried to run it right off the gut. And I mean, they got no push whatsoever the Titans ran, it wasn't even close to a first down, and that was officially the end of that game. Yeah, and they, they the fourth down conversion that they were unable to get, that they were able to get off season, it just wasn't their day. And I never, ever, ever am a proponent of resting your players, but I don't even think in this game that's why they lost. I think that 
is one team. It's a combination. There's one team that was playing for their life, their playoff lives for the last five weeks and on an incredible road since Tannehill. And then there was one team who was on such a road, they were beating people easy, and then they rested. So you're just catching people, one team that's been playing playoff football and another team that hadn't been playing that level of football. I can't remember the last time the Ravens were actually challenged. So I think a lot of it was that, too. I agree, and I think maybe even more to your point, it's about, you know, look at the Pats in 2007. That was by far the best team all year. You know, in the NFL, you're going to have a bad week. You're going to have a bad game. And in some ways, I really do believe that it's good to have a loss when you're at full strength and you're trying late in the season because it kind of reminds you how easy it is to lose a game in the NFL. And, you know, they just, like what you're saying, they had steamrolled basically since about week five of the season, week five or six. And they just ran into a buzzsaw. And, again, Derrick Henry, I mean, it cannot be understated what this guy is doing right now. And he is allowing the Titans to play the kind of football that they want to play. They're not asking a lot of Tannehill. They're letting the defense be rested when they are on the field. And, I mean, he has just been an absolute freak. And then, you know, to not only uh, run, but he also threw a touchdown this week with the Tim Tebow (laughs) jump pass, which was really cool to see because I haven't seen that in quite some time in the NFL. It's been a while. That's how you know they were really feeling it when they start doing plays like that. And he really does set the tone. And so the defense plays hard, but he's so physical and so aggressive, and that line is nasty. They just have an edge, and it actually worries me. For the Chiefs, is that's the team that the Chiefs are favored, but that and that's the team I'm rooting for. But I am very worried for the Chiefs. I think it's a good matchup for the Titans. I agree, and I also think that you know something I said on the the podcast on Tuesday is that you know the last teams to win a Super Bowl as wild card picks were the Ravens and the Giants in consecutive years, and this Titans team is built a lot like those two teams were that they're very physical, very well coached. They're not going to make a lot of mistakes. They're going to make you earn every yard. And it's it's funny that you would think that these teams that get hot and go on runs would have big offenses, but it's, it's actually been teams that really have an emphasis on running the ball, playing defense, and just not making mistakes. And as we both know, that wins games in January over and over and over again. All right, let's get to your big question. So the big question is, what does this game mean for Lamar Jackson moving forward? Is it a statement more on him as a player and type quarterback he is, or is it more just a statement of they ran into a buzzsaw? I personally think it's more of they ran into a buzzsaw. He does need to continue to improve other parts of his game, but if he makes the leap that he did from last year to this year, Again, next year, he's going to continue to improve from this. But I am worried about the fact that, you know, this becomes a stigma. And, I mean, hell, his own teammate said that right now the Ravens going into the next season are known as the team that can win in their regular season and then are chokers in the playoffs. So what does this mean for Lamar Jackson moving forward? And see, the thing is, uh, and I think he got a middling grade in pro football focus. I think it was like a 69.2. And I was interested to see what they said because there were a, a ton of really good, accurate throws. 
And then we have idiot. It's hard. It's almost like politics because he's so polarizing. It's like a Rorschach test of what you think about <laughs> football. And I'm sure race slips in there too and how you feel about running quarterbacks and all that. And I think some people assume because you see that he's a runner and he's black. And then you also see he threw some really ugly passes. And it, there's a lot of nuance involved. So Lamar, when I scouted him, he is not good at throwing outside the numbers. He's not good when he's moved off his spot even to pivot. He doesn't pivot well. So if he goes to the left or the right to throw diagonally and he has to throw like that, his footwork is really bad and they aren't accurate. But if he's within the pocket and he can just set his feet and throw anything in front of him, he will throw really well. But if he has to pivot diagonally, especially outside the numbers, it typically is not a very good pass. So that's what people are seeing. What the Ravens did, uh, Dean Pease, I believe, is the uh, not not the Ra- he used to coach the Ravens. Uh, Dean Pease, <clears throat> coordinator for uh, defense coordinator for Tennessee. What he did was overload the middle, which I didn't know why people didn't do this all year because like 75, 80% of his passes were over the middle. So they overloaded the middle. They forced him to beat them by throwing the ball outside and he couldn't do it on a consistent basis. And they also played a very soft coverage, so he couldn't beat them deep. So a lot of things went in there, and it's like everybody has their kryptonite in the NFL, and NBA too, and it's a growth process. And the thing is, it's like can you limit, can you get better at the things that you're not good at? Can Lamar get better at passing outside the numbers? Can he? Um, can they get him more weapons on the outside? Can the team play from behind? And those are the things that we're going to have to see to know what's going to go on moving forward. I agree. And it also needs to be said again that just the Titans taking that Patriot, you know, way or philosophy of they only ask their players to do what they excel at and they try to make their opponents do what they struggle at, and that's where that, you know, game plan came from. And it's, you know, it's like what you said, it's stuff that you've talked about all year, and basically they put Lamar Jackson in those, you know, that position to where if you can do these things that throughout the season you have not done well, okay, you're going to have a good chance to beat us. But we're going to gamble on that, and we're going to play the percentages. And, again, it's just smart football, and they are a very dangerous team because a lot of good football teams have played Lamar Jackson and the Ravens this year. And as you said, we haven't really seen anybody put this plan together or execute it to the extent to where they only scored 12 points and they had the ball pretty much the entire game. Yeah, and I, and I personally, if you put a gun to my head, I think it's I think it's done. Like not done as in uh, not gonna be good anymore, but I don't think he'll ever reach this level. I think this is a flash in the pan. I think it's a uh Cam Newton year. I think it is a Michael Vick year. I think it's an R G three year. I don't think that the way he plays can be consistently done in the NFL for several reasons. And we've seen it tried on different levels. And sure, maybe this is the best rendition we've ever seen of it. But I think the regression, and I think the league catches up to him, and I don't think he's as versatile. And I think he's going to have a career that's very similar to Cam Newton 
and Michael Vick. And I hate to use those two as the black quarterbacks, but I think there's going to be that level. They're going to be at a certain level, and we're going to see some highs, and we're going to see some lows. I think what we saw in that game is going to be emblematic of his entire career where that consistency is not there because he cannot consistently win as a passer if he's forced to not throw over the middle. You do, though, believe, right, that with him, you know, being able to improve his accuracy just from last year to this year, especially within the pocket, that he does have the ability to continue to improve, but he's going to have to get much better at those areas or areas to, to be, a you know, a consistent threat and to truly be his best model where he can be, you know, the best quarterback that he can be and lead his team in games like this where things don't go the way that, you know, they have planned or schemed out against an opponent. Now, I don't want I don't want to be uh, too hard on him, but it's very hard for quarterbacks to improve accuracy. And then when guys have such explosive gross motor skills, sometimes the fine motor skills they aren't as blessed with. His footwork has been a struggle for a long time, and yes, that can be improved. But this is something where he's throwing diagonally, throwing outside of the numbers, is something he struggled with in college. It's something he struggled with last year. It's something he struggled with this year. And at some point, it's muscle memory. And so I just I have my doubts about people that have certain struggles. Like you have to have a weakness. Everybody has a weakness. Yep. So, at, you know, a lot of times your weakness doesn't necessarily change. Just like Tom Brady's never going to be a scrambler, it's possible that he never would be able to have the footwork and the timing and rhythm and coordination to throw outside the numbers. So, I mean, it's possible, but it's not something I've seen through when I was since I've been scouting really hard, which is 2014, and watching football like you know all my life. It's just not something I've seen. I would say the same thing with Josh Allen: the inconsistencies, the inaccuracies, the way he plays. I don't think I think that's who he is. I think you can minimize it, you can scheme it, and you can downplay it, but I think that's who Josh Allen is. Uh, so let me go to what my big conclusion is for that. I think that we saw the get hot playoff theory in effect. You said it. Uh, the last two teams to win as wild cards were the Ravens and the, uh, the Giants. Yeah. And I think in the playoffs, if you have that team, and it worked in March Madness too, I think it worked. It worked in baseball. My God, I mean, follow mm-hmm. it. But it worked in baseball with the Nationals when they were so far behind and they had to play, like, playoff baseball for for a long time to play with a different level of intensity. And it worked. It worked because one team is fighting for their lives and playing this desperate style while the other team has to get to that place. And that's an advantage that the Titans are going to have, I believe. I agree, and I, I've been lucky enough. A gentleman named Ben Hutt, he played in the NFL for about 10 years as an offensive lineman, and having many discussions with him just about the NFL and the game in general, he always talks about there is no on-off switch, and he hates resting players at the end of the season. He said if he was a coach these days, he would never rest his players unless they're truly injured because 
it's just real, it's the hardest sport in the world to turn that switch on and off. And that was part of the reason why I really like the Titans going into this game is you have one team that has, you know, just gone into Foxborough and won four straight games in the regular season before that against another team that's basically been just waiting for three weeks. If you count, you know, I guess week 16 was the last time they played a meaningful game. And that's a big discrepancy in basically the rhythm and just, you know, the ferocity that is in the game of football and considering the two styles that these teams play and the fact that they both want to do a very similar, you know, game plan, physical game, that was going to be a bad recipe for the Ravens. And I truly do believe that they got the worst possible matchup they could have out of that wild card weekend, and that was why I was so big on the Titans all week. All right, moving on to the most interesting game, perhaps the most entertaining game. I don't think anybody's ever seen anything like this, the Texas and the Chiefs. You got, my God. Like, and I called it, but because I just felt like it was so fluky, so fluky the way they got up and too quickly. Like, you had the muff punt, you had the block kick, and it's like, oh, my God, they're up 21 nothing. And it just was too fluky and too quick with the offense like that, that you're not going to be able to hold down all game. And honestly, they were moving the ball. They just dropped. They just, uh, they were just drop passes. I know uh, Kelsey had Butter one. Fingers, and I think man. maybe Robinson or somebody had one. But no lead is safe. I've seen, this is like the second time they've scored 28 in a quarter. They've scored 28 or 24 in a quarter against the Raven, Ra- the Raiders, too. It's just amazing. I've never seen, or it's been a long time since I've seen an offense like this. Well, there's a reason you rave about that guy, Patrick Mahomes. He is incredible. The Chiefs have so many weapons. And my take from this game, to get at what you're talking about, no lead being safe, is that Bill O'Brien blew this game because I truly believe there was two situations that just completely flipped this game. The first was when you have a fourth and inches with a chance in the red zone to go up 28 nothing, and you call a timeout to kick a field goal, I think that if they would have gone in and scored there, I don't know if this game continues to go the same way because at that point, as you were saying, everything, and I mean everything, had gone the Texans' way. So if you're the Chiefs, that is a very big victory to keep it basically a three-score game with a two-point conversion. So they kicked the field goal there. They go right down and score, and then right after after deciding not to go on it on fourth and inches when you would have put the team, even if you failed to convert it, up against the goal line, they run a fake punt on fourth and four on their own 30. Obviously don't get it. The Chiefs score, and at that point, uh, I definitely knew. I know you, like, on the Facebook group called it when they were down 24 nothing. You still like the Chiefs to win. At that point, I think everybody knew that the Chiefs were going to win because it's just the message that you're sending as the head football coach that we're up 17 on the road in a playoff game in the second quarter, and I don't believe in you guys enough to where if we punt here, we're going to win the game. And it's like it, it just doesn't make sense. I heard his comments after the game. So it's like you're not going to be aggressive in a situation that makes sense 
but then you are going to be aggressive just minutes later in a situation that doesn't make any sense. Alan, you know, my co-host on our gambling podcast, has been telling me for as long as we've been talking sports that Bill O'Brien is just trash is the word that he uses, and I'm starting to understand it. And it's really a shame because you have some of the most talented guys in the league that are going to play most of their tenure under this guy and Watson, Hopkins, and Watt. And it just seriously, I mean, and it does not need to be forgotten. He made some really baffling decisions the week before against Buffalo and basically got bailed out by his team and Deshaun Watson making an incredible play. And I just, it's, it's one of those deals where, again, if, if you don't know I'm a Falcons fan, I feel a lot in the same way with my guys who are great players and they've just not had very good coaches throughout their career. You're just wasting years of these great players in their prime. If I was Houston, that would be the end of the O'Brien era. They've never got out of the divisional round, and they've had more talent and in better situations than most. It's just I'm also somebody that raves about or kind of ranting and raving about Bill O'Brien. It's such a waste. It's so – it's a shame that this is what's happening to Deshaun Watson's prime. And it's funny how he gets – he does just enough, and you win the division three out of four years, but I just feel like, and I hate to do this, but we're on this with the coaches, I just feel like the black equivalent of Bill O'Brien would get fired. Tony Dungy went to the championship game and would always get really close with Tampa Bay, and he got fired. We've seen what happened with Jim Caldwell, even though I guess Bill, you could technically say Bill O'Brien's had more success, but that division is, 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 they're in the same division, but that division isn't very good. I just don't understand fake punting up 24-7. I don't understand the moves they made uh, in general is uh, for a general manager getting Tunstall and trading the first-round pick, and now next year you can't really improve. Like, you went all in with a team that's probably not good enough to go all in on, but you let Clowney go and your defense is bad. I just I don't see how – they can justify keeping him there if you're really trying to be serious about winning. I say just let the enemy take over tomorrow and see what happens. I agree. And it needs to be said that what has Bill O'Brien ever truly won? you got to remember he had a good, not great year at Penn State that led to his hiring at Houston. And, yes, he's won a few divisions, but if you haven't got at least to a conference championship game, I mean – Mike Smith, Dan Quinn, those kind of guys have gotten to a conference championship game. And, again, like they have three of the best players in the NFL on their roster, and they gave away Clowney. And it's like how big would have that guy been, uh, you know, this uh, game when you're giving up, what, 51 points and about a 30-minute time span? And I'm talking about an actual NFL minute. I mean, it was just an atrocious performance. It's unbelievable. I mean, and this is all you need to know about Bill O'Brien and the Texans, because I was shocked. When they were down 24 to nothing, it was only plus 310 if you live bet on the Chiefs. It, you were getting better odds betting on the Titans before the Titans-Ravens game even started than you were with the Chiefs <laughs> spotting the Texans. 24 That's points. Wild. That's all you need to yeah, know. That. That's all you need to know. Yeah. 
and, so, and it could have been anybody. It, I mean, it could have been anybody that it came back on, but it should have. It's God damn it! It should not have happened in one quarter. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> they had. It, it, they caught up before halftime. And somebody did get paid on that because I did see for them to have the lead going into halftime. It was seventy-seven to one odds. Uh, and, you know, but I mean, even you who thought they were going to come back and win the game, I'm sure even you didn't assume that they would be leading by half with a 24 nothing yeah. lead. So on the other side, and this is my big question from this game when we're talking about coaching, is can Andy Reid take care of business? Because the AFC bracket has fell the best possible way for the Chiefs. They, they drew the Texans at home, obviously, in the divisional could have had much worse matchups. They're going to get an AFC Conference Championship game at home against a very good and hot Titans team. But I do think that we all agree that if Patrick Mahomes does what he's supposed to, it's going to be a tough game for the Titans because they're going to have to score some serious points. And I don't know if they can do that uh, with Tannehill having to throw it a lot. So do you think that this is the year that Andy Reid finally gets back to a Super Bowl? Man, I want it to be. I predicted it from day one. I feel like it should be my heart, my initial thought. They told, it's like this. I believe that they will do it, but I think I'm wrong, which is crazy, right? <laughs> I think, like, all the things I know, I think that's okay. I'm like, okay, they can do it. They got the high-powered offense. They got Mahomes. They got everything. But I think when in a one-game situation and you're going against Tennessee, something's going to go wrong, and they're going to find a way to screw the pooch because that's what Andy Reid does. So I think they're going to do it, but I think I'm overruling myself because I think I'm wrong. And it it makes sense. And it's what's insane about this is just the fact that I don't think anybody would deny that Andy Reid is one of the best coaches in the NFL. He's been doing this forever. His record coming off of a bye is just out of this world. But it's like what you're saying. If you just look back, and, I mean, we're talking about even to his Eagles days, how many years they just couldn't get there. I mean, they went to, what, I think four straight NFC title games before they uh, actually got the Super Bowl. Was it five? Oh, and yeah, then four lost to the Pats. Yeah. Wow. And, I mean, and then the same thing with the Chiefs where, I mean, last year they should have won that game. The Pats were wounded. We saw that in the Super Bowl game against the Rams. We saw that again this year. They were getting older. Their skill position players weren't as good. They had the best player in the league, the best team in the league, and they blew that game at home. And I'm with you that it's like, <laughs> You just can't trust Andy Reid right now until he proves it. But, man, everything is so lined up for him that it's it's one or two things. It's either going to just be another example of kind of Andy can't get over the hump or it's going to be, you know, this is their year because just the way things have lined up the entire season. Because uh, they're another team that's gotten healthy at the right moment. You know, they had a ton of injuries, and they've all gotten healthy right here at the end of the season. Yeah, I'm rooting for them. I think they should. On paper, they should. They, I mean, Tennessee beat them, so that's even better for them because they've seen them. They know what Tennessee's about. It was just getting started. It might have been the second or first game with Tannehill. 
but like you could just see Henry making plays. You can see Tannehill making plays on that defense. You can see their defense doing just enough to win. And it's just, I think it's a nightmare scenario, but I'm rooting for Andy. I'm rooting for Mahomes, but it, it's going to be, it, it, it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be too tough. And I think my conclusion was that Patrick Mahomes is the best QB in the league. He hurt his hand. He dislocated his knee. He only threw 20, 26 touchdowns. And it was almost like somebody on ESPN said it, and they were laughing at him this morning. I know you like Trey Wingo. They were laughing because uh, one of the guys said, I forgot Patrick Mahomes could do this. Like, what? Turn in your card if you forgot what Patrick Mahomes could do. You cannot forget this man because Lamar, it's so funny. It's so narrative-driven. Lamar did all this stuff, and that's great. But Patrick Mahomes is still the best quarterback in the league, and I think it's by a significant margin. Oh, it's it's a huge margin, and it was ridiculous this year that because he was injured and because he only threw, quote-unquote, 26 touchdowns in, what, 10 games, uh, that you know yeah. he, he was forgotten about. When this guy is, to me, he's like almost a mixture of Aaron Rodgers, Steve. I mean, you take all these great quarterbacks, he's got a little bit of everything in them. He doesn't really turn the ball over as much as you would think for somebody who is kind of a gunslinger. I mean, throwing no looks, sideways passes. And, I mean, it's just uh, he's he's the most amazing player I've seen ever play the quarterback position. I thought when Aaron Rodgers was at his peak of his powers that, like, he was the greatest quarterback I had ever actually physically seen talent-wise. And I think Mahomes is several steps above him. I wasn't able to see Steve Young in his prime, but, you know, my dad has always told me that, you know, if it wasn't for Joe Montana basically being the quarterback of the Niners, Steve Young would have put up just ridiculous numbers because he had to wait so yeah. long once he got to he the was team. Amazing. He really was very good. And, I mean, it's just this guy is so talented, and I really hope we get to see him in a Super Bowl because I think, like what you're saying, the league, the public, everybody has kind of forgot. This dude last year threw, 50, what, 55 touchdown passes and then has forgotten within one season – he is the future of the NFL at the quarterback position, and I'm just excited to continue to see him grow as a player and see what he can do. All right, that leads us to our next game. And our last game, I believe it is, the Seahawks and the Packers. What were your thoughts on that? It was, it was I mean, another ugly game. Uh, which it seems like that's the theme for the Packers. But my big takeaway is Aaron Rodgers is still on the short list of quarterbacks you want in a big game. And I will be the first to admit that I am guilty of this because his numbers have kind of declined in the last couple of years a little bit. He at times, and I'd even say this last weekend, at times he almost looks bored or disinterested. And I don't really understand if that's just, you know, the way he looks, but I mean, I've seen him at other times in his career and he doesn't look like this, but those two throws that he made late in the game to Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham, both when he was moved out of the pocket, were just absolute dimes, and that's what I'm used to seeing from Aaron Rodgers, where he's 
throwing sideways off a back foot, all these positions that you would never teach a quarterback to do. And the ball is just so on the money. And it was just a reminder that this guy is not only one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, he's still really good. And kind of like what you were saying with Mahomes, you know, we have such short attention spans these days that sports fans and the media has a lot to do with this. You forget how great a player is. And he is single-handedly the only reason, or the main reason, excuse me, that the Packers are going to an NFC Championship game when a lot of people, I know both of us included, don't think the team overall is that good. Yeah, and, and they finally did show up. I think the team that they could be all season was the team I saw. Uh, yesterday was much more impressive. The defense showed up, and Rodgers made those big plays. Devontae Adams just did his thing, and I always think he's pretty underrated even though he was hurt this year. I feel like they had, like, opposite seasons between he and Amari Cooper. I think they're on the same level. And Amari started out kind of hot, and Devontae came towards the back half of the season. And while Amari kind of faded, uh, Devontae picked it up. But I, uh, But I want to look at we say about Bill O'Brien, and I, I want to be careful saying this about Pete Carroll, but I think the way they've chosen to utilize Russell Wilson is wrong. There was a time where Russell Wilson needed to be managed. There was a time where, and, and it's still not the horrible, most horrible thing for them to be a running team, and they set up the pass through the run. It's a little antiquated, but it's not a horrible thing. But when you've got uh, what's that kid's name, Hauser or whoever he was, Doogie Hauser, and the and the dying <laughs> gasp of Marshawn Lynch, and you still want to run the ball whole first half, don't give me yards, and then I feel like they get down, and then they say, okay, Russell, just figure something out. Why don't you let Russell Wilson play the whole time? The best person on that team is Russell Wilson, and I would want the ball in his hands as many times as possible. To just further your point, if you take away Russell Wilson's rushing yards and attempts, they had 17 carries for 46 yards. I understand yeah. at the beginning of the game going, okay, we're going to try to run the ball. Why are you still handing it to Marshawn Lynch, Homer, Moore? They even gave the tight end the carry. It's like it's exactly what you're saying. Russell Wilson, and I think in a way, has – really saved Pete Carroll's kind of legacy as this great coach because consistently you see it week in and week out. It's It's been for several seasons. He just pulls games out of his ass. And he is the most terrifying quarterback, in my opinion, in the league, down. It doesn't matter if he's down 14, 17, whatever. When he starts moving around in the pocket and making the throws that he does, extending plays, it's really, I mean, it's like watching an artist. It's just so beautiful. And if they would have came out and done exactly what you're saying, I mean, they ran it 20, well, basically 17 times you take away Russell, and he threw it 31 times. That is not the ratio you want when you're to your third and fourth running back on your, actually, I think it's their four, or fourth and fifth running back that you just had to either sign from the practice squad or Marshawn Lynch, you had to talk out of retirement. Like, why were you not throwing it from the get-go? It doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, so 
they they've got to be. They just you just can't waste Russell Wilson's prime. You can't rate, waste a player who can score ninety five percent, not score, but who can uh, account for ninety five percent of your offense last week. I don't know what he did this week. It'd probably be something similar. You can't. You just can't do that. If you want to be balanced, that's fine. But you can't wait till the second half to get going. And also, not going for it on fourth down, three minutes left no, in the awful. game, or maybe five. I don't care what it was. It was that short of a time. You don't want to give the ball. You, you want to give the ball back to Aaron Rodgers and then cry yep. because Jimmy Graham gets a first down when or, or didn't get a first down. How about you not let him get nine and a half yards? And also, <laughs> yep. how about you don't give the ball to one of the best quarterbacks in history? when you have one of the best quarterbacks in history and you can just try to stop it right there. And they've been killing you on third downs all day. So say you're a defensive-minded coach and you gave up a third and ten and a third and nine and a half on the last drive. Like, shut up. Like, you do not have a reason to complain when you do that. And, again, if you, it's, it's becoming an offensive league. And if you have Russell Wilson – and you know your defense has been good. It's not been great at any point this season. Wouldn't you much rather your season hang in the balance in your quarterback's hands than punting it and giving your defense and Aaron Rodgers a chance to close the game out? I've never understood coaches who do that. To me, it's whatever your strength is, and the strength of this team is Russell Wilson. Yeah, I think Seattle's got some soul-searching to do. But overall, you know, it's so hard when Carroll gets the team ready to play so well and the scheme and some of these coaches, and I think Roy Williams is a victim of this in college basketball. I think uh, Coach K can sometimes be a victim of this, is they're really good at running a program, the practicing and instilling the techniques and teaching and the prep and the motivation. I'm sorry, I kind of went out for a second there. Did you uh, did you catch the last thing I said? I did not, I'm sorry. Uh, technical difficulties. Uh, I was saying that sometimes these coaches, they can have um, these great, being great program builders like Coach K and uh, Ro Williams, and I think Pete Carroll fits into this category where they, they're great at building the program, but when it comes to game time decisions, they're so risk-averse that sometimes it can be kind of sketchy. And I just think Pete Carroll fits into that category. He did the same thing at USC. So, I mean, that really makes sense that he he built this juggernaut. But after he left, you kind of wondered, like, and I hate to say this, like, could they have won more? And, you know, this is a guy that's always going to have on his resume, fairly, unfairly, depending how you believe it, that he threw the ball with, you know, 20 seconds left in a timeout on the two-yard line uh-huh. in a game that you, you were going to win. Like, I, I just – I truly believe that they were going to win if they just ran the ball. And like you're saying, this – I mean, when you have Russell Wilson and, I mean, they have Metcalf, Lockett, they have a lot better receivers than they have in past years. Like, they should have came out. I didn't like their game plan. But I will say, in fairness, again, these guys not only lost – 
one really good running back. They lost two, and this would have been a much different team, I believe, if they just had one of those guys for the playoffs because they did go on the road and won a playoff game. And, I mean, they were down 21-3 to and again came back last night. So the guys fight hard for them, and, you know, they continue to win and be in these situations, which most fans would take that opportunity from their head coach and football team. Do you want me to do the big question? Yeah, yeah, go. Uh, yeah, you go ahead. You can do it. Go ahead. So, is you think this win is more about the Packers getting better at the right time, or do you think it's more about that they just kind of barely beat a really, as we just discussed, banged up Seahawks team that has some serious flaws when you can't, like, literally can't run the football. Run the football. I'm not gonna keep dismissing the Packers. I think they played well enough to win. I think they played well um, Sunday. So I'm not going to do that to them, even though it does seem like they caught the luckiest draw in the history mm-hmm. that I can remember in recent football as far as a team like this. But it's not like Buffalo. Buffalo had a similar thing happen this year where it was kind of lucky with the schedule, but you knew they weren't really that good. This team does have Aaron Rodgers. They do have legit studs. It's not who you play, it's how you play. So they're legit studs on defense. Obviously, there's Aaron Rodgers, there's Aaron Jones, there's Devontae Adams, even Jimmy Graham came through. So And then Lyon has a couple studs on it. So the talent is there, so I'm not going to dismiss them. So I don't believe in them, and I don't think they're going to beat the 49ers. But I think they're going to come within 10 points to get much a much better game than they did the first time. And I do think that it needs to be said that I, I've also kind of came around on that you don't get to be 14-3 and three, no matter how easy the schedule is if you don't, you know, know how to win football games. And they've done that continuously all season. And I, I really want a 49ers-Chiefs matchup. And to be honest, out of the two games, I'm actually more confident that the Chiefs win this weekend than I am the Niners oh, wow. because – we know what Aaron Rodgers can do if he gets hot. And I, you know, I could just see him going into San Francisco, catching fire, uh, much like he has many times in the playoffs, putting up one of those performances where they just kind of shock people. Uh, I'll never forget my Falcons. The first year they went 13 and three, the Packers came in as a sixth seed. And I mean, Rodgers went nuts in that game. I think he threw for like 400 yards and five touchdowns, and it was literally over before halftime. And if that guy shows up, which he has the ability to do, uh, you know, it could be trouble. And I just the, – the, I think the Niners are going to win, but what scares me is it's Jimmy G versus Aaron Rodgers. And I would definitely take Aaron Rodgers out of those two quarterbacks if it's a drive late in the game where one of them needs to score. So uh, I thought my big conclusion from this was that, and it was similar to Watson, but even more effective with, with, with Wilson, it's just how valiant Russell Wilson can be. It's like, and I told Chase, who used to be in our group, and I still talk to him, He, it was such a valiant effort. It was such a just 
Herculean effort. You 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 out there running around trying to make plays, trying to make something happen, almost single-handedly bringing your team back. You're never out of it. And I told Chase, uh, one of the veterans of the group who's no longer there, I said, it's like you're battling Russell Wilson's will. That's what it's like to try to beat the Seahawks. You're battling one of the most mentally strong people. I actually met him at a camp, one of the most mentally strong, special people you'll ever meet. And when you're battling that man and his will to win, and that's not an easy task because everybody that plays Seattle knows. I can put, he's like Jason. Uh, if you're a wrestling fan, John Cena, you know, he's, he's that guy that just keeps coming back. Yeah, he is keeps like coming back. And you can't oh, put him poopy. down. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to fight to the end. And I just, you know, I'm not a big Seahawks fan by any means, but I just, he's one of those players, I don't know how you can't respect him, both as an athlete and a person from what you see he does on a daily basis, like on social media. And, you know, the Seahawks are very lucky that they're still, you know, he's still got a lot of career left to him. All right, so what are your early predictions? We both kind of alluded to where, where, where we're leaning towards. Um, I might change within the week. I know what I think now, but what do you think right now? First blush. I like the Chiefs. Uh, I've, you know, I've been on the Titans as much as anybody, but I, I just think that the Titans are going to have to play almost a perfect game to beat the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs' offense is so good. They're really rolling right now. And if, say, they get up 10 points early, I think the Titans are going to be in trouble. Uh, you know, Tannehill may surprise me and end up, you know, doing better than I expect them to in that situation. But I just think they're going to be too much to handle. And I do like the 49ers to win, but I think it's going to be close. And obviously the closer it is, it it kind of scares me because, again, Aaron Rodgers has kind of been forgotten about the last couple of years. And to see those two throws he made at the end of that game, it reminded me that he still can do this, uh, you know, when the lights are brightest and you need him the most. Yeah, I, I think definitely think the 49ers um, win that. I think they win, you know, by 10, but I think it's a, a much closer game than we think. I, I, uh, I'm i on record kind of saying that the tight, I think the Titans are going to pull it off. I, I think I've seen a lot of and – it, and it doesn't always happen. It reminds me a little bit of when Tampa Bay played the greatest show on turf. You had Tony Dungy and you had that team with a cover two. It was a very low-scoring game in the – and the Rams pulled it out, but it was really tough. I think it's going to be much low score, lower scoring. It's going to be contained, and it's going to come down to a few plays. And I think it would be funny, too, because if the Titans win this game, they would have beaten the uh, number one, the number two, and then uh, the first round. Who did they play? I can't remember. The Patriots, the number the, three. The Patriots, yeah. Yeah, and and they would have beaten the number four seed in Tex in the Texans on week seventeen. So in consecutive weeks, they would have beaten the top four seed. Oh, Trump is at the game. Um, they would have beaten the top um, four seed to get to the Super Bowl, which has never been done before. And I mean, it, it would not surprise me because they have been on this remarkable run. I just I I don't know if they can keep up with the Chiefs offense. I mean, just what we saw this weekend. But one thing is true is I think that both of these are going to be good matchups. They went about as 
you know, the best way they could have for fans because I think, you know, these they're interesting matchups in both ways uh, because you got, you know, Rogers, San Francisco, Green Bay has a lot of history, obviously, for the NFC Championship. And then on the AFC side, it's going to be, a, you know, a matchup, you know, like a, a boxing match where you have a brawler and you have, you know, somebody that's a little bit quicker and a speedster. And it's, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see how the styles, you know, meet up. All right, so this is um, so even if, I guess we'll do it again, but uh, we'll do it again next week. We can review the conference championship games. But what uh, what's the super what's the Super Bowl that you want to see? I would love to see the the Chiefs and the Forty ers I think that that would you know arguably be the best two teams in the NFL from a talent standpoint, and I think it also just has the opportunity to just be an absolute track meet because you would have the two teams with the most speed in the NFL going head-to-head. I think it would be high scoring, and I think there would be a lot of big plays. But I'm honestly going to be happy with any of these four teams because you're going to have some really cool storylines no matter who it is, whether it's Rodgers getting back to the Super Bowl, the Titans making this historic run that you just laid out. Uh, no matter what, it's going to be a, a really uh, cool narrative going into the Super Bowl. Because it is the year that there's two weeks, right, in between it, and there are a two-week break. Yeah. Yeah, yeah two weeks. Got a bad weekend there. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be the one that I most want to see. It's almost like a dream matchup. But it would be very uh, – if you saw Aaron Rodgers against Mahomes and like kind of like wow. a passing of the torch or getting hold on to it, that's kind of a WrestleMania right. type uh, theme, you Absolutely. know, you have there where you have like the, the current guy on top on some level and the new young gun up there. Rock Cena, Rock Cena, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold, you know, starting a new era. And I would love to see yep. Mahomes beat. I would love to see Mahomes blow out Aaron Rodgers if I can't stand Aaron Rodgers. But, uh, <laughs> so I would love that. But as a football fan, you know, I would like to see the Niners and Chiefs and that would be really fun. All right, Keith, this is uh, this is fun. We'll do it again next week, all right? Absolutely, and please check out the uh, backdoor cover on Tuesday. We'll go over these games and uh, also get into NBA and college basketball this week with me and Alan, a.k.a. Actively Lazy in the IB group. Yeah, just forget that. And also, don't forget, folks, to rate, uh, to rate us on iTunes. And give us a review. Give us five stars. Help spread the word. All right. Support the brand. You too, buddy. Bye.